everyone welcome back to aftershock podcast uh through the magic of podcasting hope we are time traveling so hopefully by the time everybody hears this we'll have gotten all the kinks worked out and everybody will know where to go and what to subscribe to and we'll have all the the players working we've been having some issues with the podcast players not working for people but go ahead and all i went ahead and I'll just edit that out because that was bullshit. <laughs> no, leave that in. Yeah, I could. I'll, I'll just do that as a blooper at the beginning. Um, yeah, my brain went in three different directions and I was like, oh. And once again, it's me, Mr. Pixel. I'm here with David Shock, more commonly being known now as D Shock. Is that a, a rapper name or is that your online handle? <laughs> <laughs> it could be whichever one we want to whichever one google and find me at. <laughs> there you go we'll, we'll do a google image search later on and see what turns up mm, maybe could not be, maybe or your wrestler name there you go oh my wrestler name yeah we'll get you a luchador mask with lightning bolt on it and yes <laughs> a face for radio there you go uh, you and me both so um i just want to say thanks to everybody we've gotten some good feedback on the last episode um we're we're working on it just remember be kind this is only episode two for us <laughs> right yes I, I think eric asked to to give us 10 episodes before you start beating us up too bad oh okay yeah i'll, I'll take 10 episodes that's that sounds like some good leeway but um so today we're going to change gears we're going to go away from the frustrating and semi-depressing episode that we had as our hey everybody here we are kind of episode uh we're gonna talk about training today and uh with the way things have been going there's a lot of new gun owners uh, and even some old maybe they're fighting with ammo shortages or just stock shortages of guns and everything else maybe they've got a little extra cash that they're more willing to part with uh and go towards the training route and if you're an old listener, this our guest is going to sound very, very familiar. Uh, if you're new, we're gonna we're gonna introduce you to him, and you can expect to see him around a lot more. So, from First Shield Defense, Mr. Kyle Rogers. Kyle, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate you having me on. That was a fantastic intro. Thank <laughs> you for that. Did you practice that this head. morning? No, I did not. It, <laughs> it sounded better in my head. But if you're happy with it, then I'm going to run with it. No, it was, I, I thought it was fantastic, man. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, no, I, I again, I appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, I am complete, like, I'm so grateful that you two gentlemen have taken up the the waste ammo flag and have started to carry it forward again and, and you know, continuing with what Steve and, and what Eric has has started and, and what they graciously allowed me to kind of just tug on the coattails and just kind of ride the train for a little bit. So I'm, I'm glad that y'all invited me back and I'm obviously very excited of the topic that we're going to be talking about today. Mm -hmm. Well, if I remember correctly, you said you just started showing up and then they just never kicked you out. So that's, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. <laughs> we're we're going to head that off. You're already invited. So you don't have to worry about it. Fantastic. Well, Hey, guess what? So you're not, even if you say, nah, no, thanks. Well, guess what? I'm still going to log on. I'm still going to talk to you. So suck it up. So anyways, um, yeah. yeah, training today. So for 
the podcast listeners who have been around for a while, obviously you you know about me and, and kind of my journey on on self-defense and preparedness and 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 firearms, all that kind of stuff. It's it's pretty important to me. Uh, it, I mean, you're you're talking about probably in the top three things. You know, of you've got God, religion, you got family, and then you have preparedness. Uh, so for me, incredibly, incredibly important. And I've, you know, several years ago, I took that step of that next step of being an instructor, not just training, but being an instructor. So that, what that does is it, it, it puts a little more responsibility and burden on my shoulders, but it's something that I will gladly shoulder. It's, it's, it, to me, it's, it's very important. And so today, what I want to talk about is just making sure that if you're training, whether it be by yourself or as, as, as a school, if you go to a school or to a gym, if you're training, making sure that you're doing it the right way, because um, there are, and I've said this before, uh, probably even on the Waste Animal podcast before, but um, there are a lot of bad instructors out there. And there are a lot of good instructors who are training you mm, towards an incomplete goal, I guess, if that makes sense. So what, what I'm going to talk about today is just making sure that you understand the way that you're training is how, more than likely how you're going to react under stress. And if, you, if you're making mistakes under stress, then I'm sorry, if you're making mistakes in training, then whenever you get into a violent encounter, you're going to default to either the highest or lowest ability of what you've been training towards and, and, you know, good or bad. That's, that's what's going to happen. Right. Well, so I was going to say with that being said, and for people who are new to all of this, we're, we're, we're going to take the, uh, the, the tried and true route who the heck are you and why should we care what you're saying? <laughs> that's, man, that is, that's good. That's good. Um, so like Mr. Pixel said, my name is Kyle Rogers. Um, I'm a founder and chief instructor at First Shield Defense in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, I've been an instructor for uh, three or four years now, I think. And I've been training for, gosh, a long time. Training in, in all different facets, whether that be um, – Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, Army combatives. I was in the Army for six years. Um, I mean, weapons-based combatives, solo CQB stuff, bunch of firearms classes. I mean, you kind of name it, I've done it, uh, with the exception of stuff like Kali and Eskrima and that kind of stuff. Haven't been able to to dive into that world yet, um, but I will soon, and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, So I guess the reason why... Uh, you should continue listening to today's episode, the episode that you're listening to right now, is because I'm, I'm going to give it to you real. I'm going to give you factual information. I'm not here to, to make you feel good about yourself. I'm here to tell you that if you're not training the right way, then it's going to end up bad for you if, if you ever have to use it. Okay, I am, I'm in, I, I am as intellectually honest as I can be. And because I have to be. I mean, I'm, I'm an instructor. I'm teaching people to protect themselves by possibly hurting other people. And so if I don't teach people the right way, whether that be actually in class or on this podcast, then I've failed as an instructor and that gives me no credibility whatsoever. 
How about that? That was good, yeah, right? That, that was really good. <laughs> I think you sold. I think I think you sold it. So <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. So we're gonna we're gonna be pretty hands off with this one since you obviously you know what you're talking about. But and I think that was a good introduction to anybody. Um, what 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 do you what do you want to start with? Like we're as a person who's new to this, we're we're gonna start at the at at the bottom with people with the most the, the least amount of knowledge. Um, because like you said, the, the hardest thing is finding someone who's legitimate because you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know if what they're, they're teaching is, you know, a, a load of crap or if it's, you know, you know, wh- where would you say, I mean, obviously if they're in the area of Fort Wayne, come see you, but obviously if they're not, what what should they be looking for if they've decided they, they want to finally start training? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So probably the number one thing is ask questions to the instructor. Like if you're seeking out classes, ask questions to the instructor, um, kind of not testing them, do it in a respectful manner. But like if they're teaching you, uh, let's say a switch round kick, right? Let's say that you're right-handed and you're, uh, and, and you stand in a, in a traditional stance, meaning um, your left foot is forward, your right foot is back, nice, good, high guard on, on your hands, protecting your face. And um, they're, they're teaching you a switch round kick, which means that you're switching your stance and kicking with your non-dominant leg. So if you're right-handed, you're kicking with your left leg. Make sure that they under, or make sure that the teacher or the instructor knows a specific situation and why you would alter your stance and kick with your non-dominant leg. They should not give you an answer. Oh, it just, it looks cool for Instagram. I mean, yeah, that may be the case, but still that's not like, <laughs> it's not exactly what you want to go for when you're teaching people um, self-defense or whatever. Right? right. So the, the, the number one thing I would tell people is if they're seeking out classes, um, make sure that the uh, instructor can answer your questions in a common sense kind of way. To, and, and, and make sure that they can answer it in a way that makes sense to you. And if it doesn't and they can't explain it to where it makes sense to you, then maybe that might not be the best training environment for you at that time. What, what kind of uh, questions should you be asking? So if, if you're looking for a class and you're not in Fort Wayne, you know, what, yeah. what can you send them online or, or questions you could ask? Yeah. So one of the questions that you can ask is, um, you know, if, if you're, if you're brand new to, and I'm just going to pick on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, right. Um, cause it's probably the most famous, uh, martial art out there right now. And in my opinion, probably will be for a long time because it's great. <laughs> it's awesome. So what I would recommend is, you know, go up to one of the colored belts, whether that be anywhere from a blue up to a black, um, they've obviously put their time in. Go up to them and, and if you're training, if you're training for self-defense, which you have to understand, that's, I train in self-defense mindset probably 95% of the time. The extra 5%, I'm, I'm training sport-based. That's, you know, that's where my priorities lie. So if you're training for self-defense, then what I would recommend is you ask those higher belts in jiu-jitsu, um, you know, what the legalities governing some of these techniques are. For instance... If you're teaching, I'm sorry, if, if, if those instructors are, are teaching a rear naked choke, which in jiu-jitsu is the most, um, like that's the highest prize for submission. If you can get a rear naked choke, then 
man, that's that's premium, right? Um, if they cannot describe to you how illegal it is, if you're not justified to use that level of force in a self-defense environment, then find somebody else at that school uh, to talk to who will, who might answer your question. If nobody can, including their top instructor, I would recommend going somewhere else. So, so, so what uh, you're saying is you can't throw a rear naked choke in a bar fight. You can. I'm, yes, you can. <laughs> oh, you just opened up a whole big can of worms it's, on that one. It is. It is not advised at all. <laughs> Come on, man. Not advised. Unless you're justified to. I mean, hey, if you're justified to, sink it in, choke them out, be done with it, man. Just it's a great because joke. They're, they're singing bad at karaoke. You can't just throw a rear naked joke on them. <laughs> If it's me, yes, I give you permission right now. Okay. <laughs> Just get me out of there. I'll, Obviously, I'll make, I've had way too much to drink. <laughs> I'll, I'll make that drive. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> oh, man. No, that was, uh, that was a good question, Dave. So, yeah, ask questions to your instructor, you know, um, and, and legality is probably one of the biggest ones that you should be asking as a student. Um, we, as ordinary citizens, we have to train um, in a specific context, like in a legal way well, we to train in a, in a legal way. And if we're not training according to the laws that govern us, then you're just learning techniques for learn for the sake of learning techniques. There's no context around it at all. Right. Yeah. And this is a, this is another digression that could happen, but this, I mean, like with what you're talking about, that's, you're talking about strictly a self-defense kind of situation. And that's also something that a person needs to understand with whoever they go to. They might not have a qualified instructor like you that goes that in depth. They might just be, you know, a black belt or whatever that's in this traditional art, which if you're, if you enjoy the art and you're doing it, it's still better than nothing, but don't, don't think that you understand the legalities behind what you're doing or, or what, or if even some of the techniques are even going to work, understand the box that that, that art you're doing lives in versus you know as you know as they say on the street you know like what, <laughs> what, you know what you're gonna have to deal with and, and that's perfectly fine whether it be availability or you just enjoy it but there's a little bit more of a of a mental uh journey you have to go through to understand exactly what what you're what you're using and if, it, if it's legal yeah absolutely you're you're obviously 100 correct so it's it's certainly okay with with training in a sport-based context, people do it all the time. The difference is it would be smart of you to know the different context of what you're training in the gym, if it's sport-based or if it's self-defense-based. Mm -hmm. If you are strictly training sport-based self, or I'm sorry, sport-based martial arts, then you are going to have a hard time flipping that switch for a self-defense scenario. Like you may handle yourself very, very well, and you may actually do the correct techniques, which is good for you. More than likely, you're going to sink something in. You're going to throw an arm bar. You're going to do a Kimura, you know, some sort of blood choke, whatever that you train all the time in jujitsu, just because that's what you know. Mm -hmm. And if, again, if you're not justified to, man, you're going to find yourself in a world of legal trouble. And that's not, that's not what you want at all. And so that's, that's how we train at first shield. Um, we train specifically in a self-defense environment. Um, and we make sure that every single class 
you understand that concept. And we also take you through um, use of force and the continuum that governs that use of force. So um, for, for ordinary citizens, it is incredibly important that we train that way and that you understand that we're training that way. So um, moving on to the next part, that's a horrible segue, but we're still going to use it. <laughs> keep, keep on going. So what I want to talk about today was, was training, but it's kind of what people can do from home and making sure that we're training the right way at home. Or again, if, even if you're in a school, making sure that you're training in the correct context. So first thing I want to say is, is the body doesn't know a simulated experience from a real one. Now, what that means is, let's say like in my class, we use cert pistols all the time, completely safe. It's this fantastic training tool. Um, I know Dave has got one that he uses and uh, Mr. Pixel, do you have one or no? Um, I do not yet. I've been getting ready to pull the trigger on that. I've been trying to actually get some at my department. So that way, if I can get oh. them to, to foot, foot the bill for it, that way I can train whenever I want. Cause I'm going yeah. to be in the one that, that has to keep watch over them. So that way they don't grow legs and walk away. <laughs> yeah. But, you don't, you don't <laughs> really want yours. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll be under lock and key. Sign out right. sheet, everything, retina scan, fingerprints. <laughs> That's not a bad plan, actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So the like I said before, the body doesn't know a simulated a simulated experience from, from a real one. However, the conscious mind does. Like the decision making right. part of your brain does. Your central nervous system, you know, the the, the oh. muscle memory, as we talk about, it doesn't know at all. So if we use a cert pistol, ninety percent of the time, then our body is going to just react appropriately if you're doing the correct skill building uh, with that cert pistol, right? right? So one thing that I like to um, compare this to is a weightlifter. If the weightlifter has a blindfold on, goes into an empty gym and does a deadlift, a, let's, let's just say a one rep max deadlift and blindfold on, can't see or hear anything at all, bang, they go, they lift the... They lift the weights up, PR, excellent, 450 pounds, new PR, great. They take the blindfold off and there is a room full of people. Well, now you know that you're in a competition, right? right. Whereas before you had assumed you had no idea what the scenario was at all until you took your blindfold off. So that's the comparison between your kinetic skills, making sure that you um, train the right way so your body just reacts to it and does what it does. Your conscious mind, your decision-making part of your brain, that's the part that um, you can certainly train at home by yourself, and it's incredibly important that you do. You can also do it when you are building those dry fire skills to those kinetic skills. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one one question I have for, for both of you all is, is what is the right way to train like so for instance when you're practicing dry fire um or even when you're out on the range it's incredibly important for us to train the right way so what is that right way if y'all had to answer the question for me i mean it's not i don't want to and this is going to sound cliche cliche a little bit i don't want to waste ammo or trigger pulls on something that doesn't make sense so you know when i when i'm at the range or you know, using the cert pistol or dry fire, I don't want to just pick the cert pistol up and pull the trigger a hundred times. I mean, yeah, it, it may help, 
with your finger placement on the trigger, but acquiring a target or going from target to target or, you know, looking down the sights, you know, everything, every trigger pull matters kind of in my book. Mm -hmm. So when I go to the range, you know, a, a 40 round range session may be better than a 400 round range session, depending on what I'm doing. So I don't, I don't really let, you know, ammo go to waste, so to speak, when I try to train. And that's kind of how I look at it. Um, you know, it's either trying to put the same hole in the same target or acquiring steel targets or, you know, reloading or from one target to the next target. That's kind of my mindset on training is not necessarily based around just wasting ammo. <laughs> so it's, it's more of a, I, I want kind of every shot to count and not like, Oh, there's one more in the magazine. I'll just shoot it at a target. Who cares? So that, that's kind of how I take training, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and I'll expand on that. Cause I agree with, with what you're saying. You're, you're putting yourself in like, there's a purpose behind what you're doing. You're not just out there flippantly, you know, trying to put, bolts through holes you've already made um ramping up the the stress a little bit or the difficulty or switching hands or there's there's a reason behind what you're doing and everybody might have a different reason um obviously it's understandable if some people the only thing they can get to is a range where they're limited on what they can do if they can draw or anything like that but if you're at a place that you can make sure you're doing it with the stuff that you're actually going to be using um everybody has their they're, you know, they're, they're safe Queens that like they, you know, they might take out here and there and that's, and that's perfectly fine. But if you're, if you're going to train, you know, what are you carrying? Use the thing that you're carrying. Don't, don't use the, the, the bed stand gun or, you know, something you got stashed somewhere else. You're going to be able to use that. That's going to be fine. That should be your backup, but use, use, use what you're going to carry, use the equipment you're going to carry. Cause that's also important in finding out if there's a flaw in that equipment uh, and, and also, you know, weather permitting and everything else dress the way you're going to dress. Uh, if you like to dress all high speed with the cool guy gear and all that, and, and that's how you normally are, then that's what you're going to be wearing. That's fine. But if that's not what you do, if you're, if you're a slob like me and it's a ratty hoodie and, you know, just in some, some pants and my, my little flat van's shoes that's that's what i'm going to try and train in because that's what if that i mean i need that training that's what i'm going to be wearing i'm not going to say hold on i gotta go get my i gotta get my my uh, my high speed uh ipsic or whatever rig and all that you know and that's you know that's a, a discussion for another time i, I understand there's certain things that can cross over skill wise but you know do what makes the most sense what you're what you're going to encounter so both of you had fantastic answers no 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 wrong um, opinions from either one of you. It was actually really good. Um, so for me, the right way to train, or the, the right way to to train for me is making sure that every single thing that I do, whether it be dry fire or live fire, is with a purpose. Making sure that I am doing everything that I can in order to help me make the correct decisions if I'm ever in a self-defense environment. For instance, what people do, or let me, let me rephrase that. What competitors do, like uh, competition shooters, they run a drill called El Presidente. Have you all ever 
run the El Presidente drill, El Pres? Yes. I'm not sure if I ran it or not, to be honest with you. So you start, I think, I think the distance is probably 21 feet. That's kind of the standard distance from um, shooter to target. You start 21 feet away from your targets, facing away from your target. And as quickly and as accurately as you can, you have to turn around, shoot two shots in three targets, you know, two, two shots each, each for, uh, for three targets and then reload and then do the same exact thing. So you go, uh, I think it's right to left reload and then left to right. So a few things wrong with, with that drill in terms of actual, uh, validity in terms of citizen defenders. First thing is they, the competition shooters are not concerned at all about whether or not they're going to shoot the target that's behind them. So they don't assess the target beforehand. As soon as that timer goes off, they hand on the gun, turning around, they're drawing and shooting as fast as they can. With us, we take it down a notch uh, in terms of speed. So the very, very first thing that we do when we turn around is we assess our target, making sure that, okay, yes, we actually do need to and are justified to draw our gun and shoot. And so then we go through the drill. And, and our drill is not 21 feet away. I think it's a distance of either... 10 or 15 feet. It is, it is a lot closer. So the angles that, that we're dealing with are a lot wider than they would be if you were at 21 feet away mm -hmm. from your target. So we do have to deal with that as well. Um, anyway, so making sure that like if you're dry fire or live fire, making sure that everything that you do is with a purpose, um, making sure that your reloads are done with a purpose. Uh, if you're, if you're working on so everything that you do at the range needs to be done with a purpose. Well, at the range or at your home with dry fire. So like if you're doing reloads, you have to make sure that those reloads are done in a uh, kinetically sound manner. For instance, like you don't want to have your handgun down at your belt and looking down, trying to fumble, trying to fix a reload. You want to have it up in front of your face. So that way you can see the target and you can see your gun. Mm -hmm. So if you jack up the reload, I can quickly switch my eyes from the target to my gun and I can still clearly see my target. So um, doing other things as well, making sure that you're moving the right way. If you can move on the range, um, you know, as efficient as possible. Uh, you know, there's, there's certain drills that you can do like uh, like a marching band walk. Were y'all either one of you in, in band at all? What are you trying to do to our reputation? Yeah, I was, I was in band. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. Hey, Middle I'll admit school. it. I, I certainly was. Yeah, I, I was all the way from uh, junior high through high school. Um, but say, like in so in marching bands, your 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 hips are walking one direction, and your upper body is facing either left or right. Same thing with shooting. Oh, and your heels are nice and smooth, heel to toe, heel to toe, heel to toe. And it's the same thing with moving and shooting. Okay, if you're trying to put accurate shots on target, you don't really want to be running dead sprint trying to shoot because you're not going to hit your target at all. Ideally, you want to make sure that you are a good distance away, whatever makes sense for that shot. And if you're trying to move and shoot, doing that little marching band walk, making sure that um, you are maintaining the distance away from your target if possible. If you're not maintaining that, that, that distance, the distance, you need to increase that distance. So... You, if you're allowed to be dynamic on the range, that's a great drill is, is um, flanking, flanking your target, keeping that same distance or, or increasing that distance away from your target. So 
Um, training the right way, very, very important. And if you don't train the right way, catastrophic uh, things can happen to you. For instance, like I said before, those competition shooters on that El Prez drill, they immediately go their gun. Well, yeah, they have a really fast draw, which is cool. If they are drawing from concealment, the majority of them do not. The majority of those people have like high-speed guns, high-speed holsters where their draw is like half second, you know, pretty quick. So if in a self-defense environment, if, if they have to go hands-on or if they're not legally justified to use their firearm and they automatically go to their firearm, then, I mean, you're behind the eight ball even further. So right. it's, it's important that the way that we train, whether it be dry fire or live fire, it must be adaptable to a real life scenario. And also you should be doing dry fire. Dry fire is free. <laughs> if you want to spend, if you want to spend some money on it, spend some money on it, you know, get you a cert pistol, you know, Mantis X or whatever, you know. Um, but if you don't dry fire is free, <laughs> it literally costs you nothing to do dry fire and you should be doing dry fire um, right now. in in my opinion, probably 90% of the time. And then, doing the other 10% of live fires going out to the range and doing this stuff. Um, the nice thing about dry fire is again, it's free and we can train out all of those bad habits, you know, making sure that we are actually clearing our garment all the way up when we go to grab that, that firearm stuff, like basic stuff like that, man, mm -hmm. basic stuff. Um, we, we like to use live fire as, sort of like a checkpoint for our dry fire, right? Making sure that uh, what we're actually doing without sending rounds down range is the correct thing. Because trust me, if you have any flaws at all and you go try to do those, those techniques or those skills in live fire, they're going to show. Mm -hmm. They're certainly going to show. So it's, it's important for us to be trained the right way all the time. Um, do dry fire at home. It's free. Um, if trust me, it, you, you will, make or break yourself when it comes to going out to the range. If you go to the range, obviously ammo right now is expensive and sometimes hard to find. So if mm -hmm. you're actually going to the range, um, my recommendation would be make the best use of it. And you can do that by performing dry fire drills at home. Right. So, so let's say, like I was talking about a little bit earlier, you got a little bit of extra, extra money because you can't spend it on ammo and you want to do, you want, you want to take the next step. You're, you're, you're doing your dry fire and you want to go the cert route first off for anybody. And I know sometimes, I mean, we've, we've all kind of been in this for a while. We know about it and obviously you being in training know what it is, but I, I think it's still, kind of a new thing to a lot of people who are probably just now coming into the gun world. What the heck is a cert pistol? That's a good question. Cert pistols, in my opinion, if you are, if you're carrying a firearm, um, if you're interested in training at all, you should have a cert pistol. Um, so cert pistol it's S I R T, uh, stands for shot indicating resetting trigger. Um, they make several models. Essentially what it is, it's a, it's a plastic gun, with a functional trigger and a laser inside. And it has a removable magazine as well. So uh, of the of the 19 cert pistols that we have, um, I think all but two 
are Glock 17 replicas. I, I recently purchased the CERT pocket pistol, which is a Glock 43X size. And which is really cool. Like I, we've gotten some good feedback from that, from, from our, our students. And so um, I'm, I'm excited. We just, I think we got a man probably a week or two ago. So we haven't had a lot okay. of like practice with those things, but right. um, yeah, the, the, the third pistol is a, it, it, it's free ammo, man. I mean, you spend, I think it's 190 or 200 bucks for a cert pistol. And you, you if you take one of my classes, you're going to pay for the ammo that you're not going to waste. <laughs> and so, maybe because in, in one of my classes on average, you're going to press that trigger at least 500 times at least. And if we're doing a lot of shooting drills, it can go anywhere from 1500 to 2000. So it's, it's certainly in my mind, well worth the investment. It is a little bit pricey up front, but if you, if you practice with that daily, which you should be doing, um, especially if you're a concealed carrier, if you practice, if you practice with it daily, then trust me, you're going to be miles ahead than not doing it at all. And that's something that people can get on. There's a website and they have basically, I don't want to call them a replica analogs to most of the popular pistols out there. So you can get something that'll be just like what you're carrying. So you don't have to worry about extra gear or anything. You can go ahead and throw that in your own holster. And, yep. and and do your training that way um what are what are some so now that you've you've stepped up and you're using this uh this new piece of technology what if anything should they be doing different while training with that versus when they were doing dry fire are there i was gonna say is there is there like you know now that you have this is, is there some drills that will work better versus dry fire because now you're kind of like doing dry fire plus or yeah. <laughs> what's the best thing to do with that on your own if you're right. not being instructed. So on your own, if you're doing dry fire with your carry pistol, more than likely you're drawing your pistol, you're pulling the trigger one time and you are resetting that trigger. Right. And that, that creates horrible, horrible training scars. <laughs> so you don't obviously in, in a stressful environment, you don't want to draw your gun, shoot it one time and then, go to, to reload it, to, you know, slide that, that, or to move the slide back. You don't want to have that right. happen whatsoever. So, um, the one thing that's nice about the third pistol is you don't have to do that. You just keep on pulling the trigger like you normally would. Um, so one of the things that you can actually do at home is you can do a, what we call a pivoting draw. And so what this, or how, how I use this at home is I have a clock on the wall. And so what I do is I face away from the clock. I will set a timer on my phone for like eh, five or six or seven seconds. And I'll hit that go button on my, on, on my phone. And once the phone goes off, I will turn to my left, assess the clock. And if the second hand is about to be an even or an odd number, that will determine whether or not I'm going to draw and shoot. So if, if the second hand is about to, is, if it's about to touch an even number, then I'm going to draw and shoot while pivoting, right? So the very first thing I'm doing, once that timer goes off on my phone, I'm looking over my, over my left shoulder, leading with my head, looking at the clock, assessing the clock. And if it's, if it's about to be, let's say on the 10, then what I'll do is I will continue pivoting to my left. I will then draw my firearm and whatever target I have set up, I will shoot that target. 
uh, and then I'll search and assess and, I'm, and then I will reholster, right? If it's on a, uh, if it's on, if it's on an odd number, I don't even reach for my gun at all. A lot of people, when they take my class starting out, when we're teaching them just the basics of a pivoting draw, what they'll do is when they're not supposed to draw and shoot, like if I'm, ho if, if I'm holding up a, uh, if I'm holding up an odd number on my fingers, mm -hmm. they are not supposed to draw and shoot. But what some people will do is they'll still show that they have a gun, mm. right? You have to think our firearm is our ace in the hole. I don't want anybody knowing that I have one. And so if you hear something behind you, whether it be like some footsteps running up towards you or a loud noise or someone yelling at you, whatever, you know, out of, out, outside of your viewpoint, if you turn around and the first thing you do is go to your gun and you don't have to, then you've let everybody know that you have a gun mm -hmm. and you don't want that to happen. So yeah. in training, in training, whenever you turn around and you see that second hand is about to go to a five or a 15 or a 25, whatever it is, if you see that second hand going to an odd, uh, I'm sorry, an even number, don't even reach for your gun at all. Don't, don't show it. Just turn back around, reset your phone and do the drill again. So the nice thing about this type of drill, about this pivoting draw is you can set up just a primary target and just practice on that primary target going both left and right each time. Or what I like to do is I, I like to set up a primary target. I will work in a reload and I'll have a secondary target. The nice thing about a secondary target is you could put that inside another room. So you actually, you actually get some sort of room clearing or, or, or house clearing in with your pivoting draw drill. So you can start layering these types of drills in your, own, in, in your own home to make you better equipped both as a concealed carrier and as a protector of your home. Well, Dave, that? No, that works. Dave, do you, and I guess we won't go, we won't go too, too in depth right now. So we can talk about some other things later, but I mean, is what kind of, what kind of a, a drill do you do? with yours, I guess I can't speak about it cause I don't have a cert. So I'm just a dry fire guy right now. Um, I mean, I use it for target acquisition is kind of the main thing I'll pick, you know, a couple of pictures on the wall or a few things. And it's more of, you know, from, from one target to the next target. And, you know, it depends on where in the house I do that. Um, because my, chocolate lab is worse than a cat and will chase that laser all over the house. So, you know, as I'm acquiring targets, so is the dog. Well, it uh, works twofold and you can tire the dog out and get your training. In. It, it does work that way, but I, I mean, that's <laughs> mainly what I use it for right. Um, right now is that, that trigger pull. And I watch the laser because, you know, it's, I will have a tendency to pull, on the trigger pull down and to the right. So mm. that's kind of the other thing is paying attention to the actual um, laser placement as I pull the trigger for more of a trigger discipline. And, you know, once I kind of work that back, you know, depending on how often I use it or how often I go to the range, you know, if it's been a couple of weeks and I pick it up, those first five, six shots, it's the, the laser is pulling down to the right. Mm -hmm. And once I, you know, that kind of hits in my head of, Hey, 
you know, work that trigger back to, you know, when you pull it, it's still on target where you're aiming at. Then I'll move to, you know, target acquisition, two shots on this picture, two shots on that picture, you know, Mm -hmm. the wall clock or the TV or, you know, just something around the house. And I also use it if there's nobody home, you know, I'll I'll let the the dog outside and I kind of go through a um, house clearing or a room clearing of coming out of the bedroom, turning the corner to the front door putting four shots on the front door and, and, you know, taking a step back into the kitchen and right. three or four shots on the garage door mm-hmm. or, you know, where in my house, somebody coming into the house would be um, or a window or, you know, on the blinds or, or wherever as more of a room clearing kind of thing. And I've even done it for like from the basement working upstairs of, you know, if I'm downstairs playing call of duty and somebody's breaking in the house, how would I clear back upstairs and clear the house? And yeah, I, I try not to do that when, when everybody's home um, because it's just more fun, I guess, by myself <laughs> of what would I do in that scenario? Right. I mean, I, I guess yeah. looking at it now from where I'm at, maybe I should do it with people in the house because if I start yelling and screaming and people are moving, then, I can add that kind of, you know, stressor into that training, but I, I use it more of the trigger pool and watching the, the, you know, the laser on the wall or on the target. And then, you know, target acquisition is what, you know, kind of, I, I mainly use it for. So, okay. Okay. you know, I'd, I'd like to evolve that more. And obviously, you know, like Kyle said, I'd, I'd like to actually pick it up every day and, and use it, but, you know, at the moment that doesn't happen. So, right. Right. So like I said, I'm just a dry fire guy right now. So I haven't stepped up on that one yet. Um, without going down more rabbit holes, Kyle, do you have anything to add to your, like maybe a variation to your drill or you think that's a good starting point for somebody? Cause we're obviously going to be able to just come back and there's always going to be something else that we can talk about. We don't want to overwhelm new people to this. Yeah, so I, I will say just a piece of advice if you are shooting secondary targets. Don't swing your firearm at the target before you look at it. So let's let's think about this for a second. You draw and you shoot the primary target. And you know, because of the drill, that you're going to have a secondary target. What I would recommend you do is... You bring your handgun back from full presentation to like a compressed high ready or position three, as we call it, that nice retention position. Okay. You turn your head left or right, whichever direction that the secondary target is at, you turn your head and you look for that target first, and then you orient yourself, meaning you actually move your body to get a nice shooting platform. And then you press back out to full presentation or position four, if you need to, unless you're too close. If you're too close, stay in that compressed high ready position. Okay. But that's that, I guess that is a pretty important piece of advice is if you know that you're going to have a secondary target, lead with your head first and then orient your firearm towards that secondary target. It's going to make you quicker, mainly because of your uh, decision-making. And obviously it'll help your decision-making too. that target, that target acquisition that David was talking about just a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Well, I think we've given people enough to think about and practice for, for one time. There will be many more to come, I'm sure. Um, anything in closing you want to you wanna throw out there? Um, yeah, so we are growing and growing. If you've been following me or First Shield Defense uh, from the early days, um, you have seen a transformative process go on uh, the last several months. And so if you're in Fort Wayne, or even if you want to come up for the day or for the weekend, let me know. I I'd love to have you in class. So uh, all of our information can be found on firstshielddefense.com. Yeah, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Go give us a like, go share our stuff, provide some feedback. And uh, if you have any questions for me whatsoever, you can reach out to me and, um, and, and I will help answer any question that you have. And if I don't have the answer, then I will, uh, I'll, I'll go and research because I will only make myself better and I'll make my students better. So um, I appreciate you gentlemen having me on today and it was a fun discussion. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming on. We're like I said, this is going to be one of many, I'm sure. So Dave, you have anything to add? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I, I, I want to ask Kyle, do you have any seminars or anything special events coming up on, on your schedule or, or anything that you want to just throw a shout out or promote? Yeah. Um, not right now, mainly because uh, I am going to Las Vegas next month for my Krav Maga level two from Nomad. Uh, that's my instructor certification. And then um, taking a small family, family vacation in July. And then what else? Oh, going for my apex level five certification in August for, for IDS. And so at least the next three or four months, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be pretty busy, but uh, once I, I will be doing another seminar, at least one this year. Um, and uh, once I do, then obviously I'll reach back out to you fellas and have you help promote it on the show? Yeah, obviously, yeah, definitely. Just let us know and come on and talk about your experience and your wounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, what you learn. Yeah. Yeah. More I'm pointers. Sure. Yeah. So, well, with that, I think that's, that's enough for everybody right now. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.